Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of aneurysms found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 58-year-old woman presents to the emergency department with a severe headache of sudden onset. The headache occurred immediately while at rest, and she describes the headache as the most severe she has ever had. Her headache symptoms are also accompanied by photophobia. She has tried ibuprofen and sumatriptan, but it has not improved her symptoms. Medical history significant for migraine headache, hypertension, cigarette smoking, and alcohol use disorder. Physical exam is notable for nuchal rigidity. A non-contrast head CT demonstrates blood in the subarachnoid space. This is a case of subarachnoid hemorrhage. Let's continue by discussing saccular aneurysms. Clinically, they are defined as a balloon-like outpouching of the vessel wall, which is also referred to as a berry aneurysm, which is composed of a neck that is connected to the originating vessel and a dome that has the possibility to rupture. A saccular or berry aneurysm typically arises from branch points or bifurcations of the circle of Willis. They are more prone to rupture than fusiform aneurysms, and the aneurysm locations may be in the anterior communicating artery most commonly. The clinical correlate here is a bitemporal hemianopsia secondary to aneurysm compression of the optic chiasm. They may also be located on the posterior communicating artery, with the clinical correlate being an ipsilateral ocular motor nerve palsy secondary to aneurysm compression. They may also be located on the middle cerebral artery. Risk factors for saccular aneurysms include hypertension, increasing age, smoking, autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and Moyamoya syndrome. Now let's discuss Charcot-Bouchard aneurysms. Clinically, they are defined as a small vessel aneurysm, for example, those that arise in the lenticulostriate arteries, and they result from chronic hypertension. Rupture can lead to intraparenchymal hypertensive hemorrhage, which commonly affects the basal ganglia, thalamus, cerebellum, and pons. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to aneurysm, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 65-year-old man presents to the emergency room complaining of a severe headache. He developed a sudden-onset severe throbbing headache while watching a football game on television. His past medical history is significant for migraines and hypertension. However, he states that this headache is different from his normal migraine headaches. He has a 30-pack year smoking history. His family history is notable for a stroke in his mother and father. His temperature is 98.9 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 150 over 90, pulse is 100 beats per minute, and respirations are 14 breaths per minute. On exam, he is oriented to person, place, and time. Neck motion is limited due to pain. Strength is 5 out of 5 bilaterally in both the upper and lower extremities, and sensation is grossly intact across all dermatomal distributions. Patellar, brachioradialis, and Achilles reflexes are 2 plus bilaterally. The vessel that is most likely responsible for this patient's condition directly branches off of which of the following vessels? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Anterior cerebral artery Choice 2. Maxillary artery Choice 3. Internal carotid artery, choice 4, middle cerebral artery, or choice 5, posterior cerebral artery. The best answer to this question is choice 1, anterior cerebral artery. The patient in this vignette presents with a severe headache and nuchal rigidity 
suggestive of Barry aneurysm rupture. Barry aneurysms are most commonly found at the bifurcation of the anterior communicating artery that spans the two anterior cerebral arteries. Barry aneurysms are outpouchings of the arterial system. Rupture of these aneurysms will lead to subarachnoid hemorrhage, which presents with the quote-unquote worst headache of your life and mucor rigidity. Risk factors for the development of aneurysms include hypertension, smoking, and genetic diseases such as autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Calcium channel blockers are often given to prevent secondary stroke due to vasospasm. Red blood cells in the cerebral spinal fluid, also referred to as xanthochromia, may be noted. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. The maxillary artery gives rise to several different end arteries. The middle meningeal artery is one of the most important branches of the maxillary artery. Rupture of the middle meningeal artery following head trauma will result in an epidural hematoma. This will present with severe headache and neurologic symptoms, preceded by a transient loss of consciousness. Choice 3. The internal carotid artery gives rise to the anterior and middle cerebral arteries. The posterior communicating artery also branches off of the ICA before it bifurcates into the anterior and middle cerebral arteries. The junction between the ICA and the posterior communicating artery is the third most common site of Barry aneurysm formation after the anterior communicating arteries. Choice 4. The middle cerebral artery gives rise to several segmental arteries as well as the lenticular striate arteries of the basal ganglia. The lenticular striate arteries are the most common sites of small vessel aneurysms, also referred to as Charcot-Bouchard aneurysms. Rupture of these aneurysms will lead to focal paralysis or sensory loss depending on their location rather than headache. The MCA is the second most common site of Barry aneurysm formation. Choice 5. The posterior cerebral artery supplies the temporal and occipital lobes. It connects to the internal carotid and therefore the anterior and middle cerebral arteries via the posterior communicating artery. Finally, a bullet summary. Large vessel aneurysms, also referred to as Barry aneurysms, are most commonly located at the bifurcation of the anterior communicating artery. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 65-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with complaints of vision problems in his left eye. On neurological exam, the patient's left eyelid is drooping and the pupil is unreactive to light. Furthermore, the patient is unable to adduct or elevate this eye. The physician decides to order an MRI. Imaging would most likely show evidence of which of the following. And the answer choices are, choice one, aberrant connection between arteries and veins in the occipital lobe. Choice two, arterial dilation of a vessel fed by the internal carotid artery. Choice three, enlarging mass sitting in the cella tersica. Choice four, large mass attached to the meninges near the cribriform plate. Or choice five, a mass emerging from the internal auditory canal. The best answer to this question is choice two, arterial dilation of a vessel fed by the internal carotid artery. This patient has a left oculomotor palsy as evidenced by ptosis, medriasis, and the classic quote-unquote down-and-out presentation, which is due to inhibition of adduction and elevation. An oculomotor palsy is most likely caused by a posterior communicating artery aneurysm, which is an arterial dilation of a vessel fed by the internal carotid artery. Intracranial aneurysms are dilations or ballooning of arteries in the brain caused by weaknesses in vessel walls. Although minor aneurysms are mostly asymptomatic, larger ones can cause symptoms due to mass effect. For instance, aneurysms at the anterior communicating artery, which is the most common intracranial aneurysm, 
may compress the optic chiasm and cause bitemporal hemianopsia. Posterior communicating artery aneurysms can compress the oculomotor nerve and cause palsy. Rupture of aneurysms causes subarachnoid hemorrhages, which often present suddenly as the worst headache of a patient's life. Individuals with connective tissue disorders, such as Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, Marfan syndrome, etc., have a higher incidence of aneurysms. Diagnosis is performed through CT or magnetic resonance angiography. Treatments include clipping or endovascular embolization. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Aberrant connection between arteries and veins on the occipital lobe refers to an occipital arteriovenous malformation. The most common symptoms for AVMs are intracranial hemorrhage and seizures. Focal symptoms are rare. AVMs can be managed through microsurgery, radiosurgery, or endovascular embolization. Choice 3. Enlarging mass sitting in the cella tersica refers to a pituitary adenoma. Notwithstanding the specific neoplasm, a very common symptom is bitemporal hemianopsia due to supracellar extension into the optic chiasm. After non-functional adenomas, prolactin-producing tumors, also referred to as prolactinomas, are the most common and can disrupt normal reproductive system function. For example, they may cause erectile dysfunction in males and irregular menstrual cycles in females. They can be treated with dopamine agonists like bromocryptine. Choice 4. Large mass attached to the meninges near the cribriform plate refers to an anterior skull-based meningioma. Meningiomas are benign tumors of the arachnoid cells and do not invade the parenchyma and are histologically characterized by somoma bodies and spindle cells in a world pattern. Most meningiomas are slow-growing and asymptomatic, but focal deficits are possible. With mass effect at the cribriform plate, anosmia, which refers to loss of olfaction, could be found. Choice 5. A mass emerging from the internal auditory canal refers to a vestibular schwannoma. This is also known as an acoustic neuroma. The most common symptoms include hearing loss, tinnitus, and vestibular problems such as dizziness, vertigo, or imbalance. Bilateral vestibular schwannomas are evidence of neurofibromatosis type 2, an autosomal dominant genetic disorder that predisposes patients to nervous system neoplasms. Finally, a bullet summary. A posterior communicating artery aneurysm can cause an oculomotor palsy through compression resulting in ptosis, medriasis, and the classic quote-unquote down-and-out presentation. That's all for this review about aneurysms. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.